Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Do you have your jingling bells, Nikki Kinzer? Oh, I should have brought them in because I really do have some, yeah. Yeah, no, it's important. This is our last uh, real official show of the year. We're going to take a little time off over the holidays. Uh, And so uh, that's uh, fantastic. For us, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to get a little break in the air. It's a good break uh, and come back in twenty twenty. Yeah, but today we we are doing a little bit of reflection, talking about yeah. some of the things that were important to us this year, things that we've been thinking about, and taking on a few questions from the listeners. Now, I just have to say, as a preamble, Nikki, yes, we got so many questions. We got so many questions, and most of them, it felt like they were reading our schedule for twenty twenty. I know. Right. Like they were cheating and asking questions about what we're already going to talk about. It was a little strange. Cheaters. McCheaters. Right. Right. So what are we going to talk about in January of 2020? Well, we're going to talk about uh, workplace stuff. We're going to talk about ADHD in the workplace. I think that's going to be great. And we've uh, so we've got some uh, still a little bit of planning to do. But your questions that we were that were purportedly supposed to be for us today, we're not going to talk about those. And it makes it because looking at the questions, I was like, oh, wow, I think we took away like three fourths of the questions. Right. That are going to be shoved into next year. I think we did. Oh, well, how because the whole show today would have been all about workplace and it would probably would have been about three to four hours you know, of a show. That's right. So it's definitely better for everyone that we break that up into actual shows next year. So stay tuned. Exactly right. Yes. And so it looks like our first show back next year is going to be, um, what is that, the 7th? Well, it will be January 7th is Tuesday. We will record that live stream on the I guess we'll do it on New Year's Eve. No, it'll be the third. No, we're not. We're not going to do that. (laughs) No, No. no. we are actually not going to be back live until January 14th because you and I record on the will record on the 6th. Yes. And then Mm -hmm. uh, you will make that go live to our uh, Patreon people that week. So yes. they'll get it that week. And then um, the public will get it on the 14th. So we're about, we're three weeks off. We're three weeks off yeah. of the show. Yeah, Excellent. So there you go. Uh, but you know what? Maybe I'll throw some uh, a best of episode in the feed again. You know, yes, one, one that's or two a great of idea. Some of our favorites from this year will we'll drop in the feed uh, and talk about that stuff. So uh, gearing up for 2020. Until then... Or before then, I should say, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. And you'll get an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And I'm not going to belabor it right now because it's one of my deep reflections. But check out the group, the ADHD community at Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. If you've thought, hey, you know what would be a great thing for me to do? The things I'm thankful for. One of them is the ADHD podcast. You can uh, you can actually demonstrate that. You could take action to demonstrate the thing that you are thankful for at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. So thanks in advance. More on that in a minute. Okay, let's talk about group coaching. Yes. This is our last shot. It's my last shot. And I'm going to be really cheesy about it. Oh, good. Do you want a clear vision for 2020? <laughs> 
right? How awesome is that? Uh, yeah, no, wrap that right yes, in. Yes, clear vision for 2020. So anyway, if you do, because, you know, who doesn't want clear vision, even with glasses, no glasses, whatever, consider mm-hmm. signing up for one of my coaching groups. So this is the deal. I've got two different coaching groups that I'm going to be offering uh, in January. We're going to be meeting for 10 weeks. There's going to be check-ins in between sessions and then one private individual coaching session with me that you can uh, basically do at any time, either during the coaching, group coaching or afterwards. Each member will pick a focus for the week and update the group with their progress. So there's some accountability uh, in the groups. Plus, we have great group discussions on a variety of different ADHD topics. So the deadline to enroll for winter group coaching is January 3rd. And coaching will begin, I said the week of January 23rd, but I don't think that's correct. It's going to be, it's going to actually start the week of January 13th. The same week we come back from the podcast. Yes, yeah. yes. So the, the groups will start on the week of the 13th. The deadline is the 3rd. There you All go. Right. And you can visit the website right. or show notes for more information about how the group is set up. And of course, if you have any questions, you can always email me. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about reflections. What are the things you're very excited about from this year? Oh, there's been so many things. I think as you were saying before, or at least what I think you were leading to, is the Patreon group has been fantastic. Uh, It has been um, very inspirational and uh, has just been a really great added piece to this show and to our lives and to the people that we are uh, communicating um, with. And so I love to see it grow. I love to see the support. Um, so to me, that's been one of the biggest, uh, highlights of the year for sure. The new merchandise. Wow. Well, that's super fun. That's fun. Who would have thought that we would have merchandise? Well, you've always thought that. <laughs> I've wanted it for you've a long time. You've always wanted that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I think that's pretty cool that we're able to, to, uh, provide that. And we've had some great guests this year. I'm really honored to have some of these experts that have come on, have graciously uh, taken their time to be with us and to uh, speak to our listeners. And I'm just always in awe that, uh, you know, Dr. Hollowell came on our show. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that is just, yeah. you know, really cool. And all of the other guests, everything that they have to offer and their niches and their expertise um, has just been great. And so very, very thankful for that. And, you know, as a coach, as a coach, I'm grateful to the podcast, too, because we get to put our message out there. And that's a lot of how I'm able to be a coach because then people are listening and and they want to have that one-on-one um, coaching and, and they talk to me and they feel like they already know me and know you. And um, so that's been great too. It's all tied into the podcast, which is uh, a big, big uh, part of what I do, what you do. And it's just been a great year. I love it. <laughs> Ugh, it has been a great year. I, you know, to the Patreon thing, I, it's, it's a little bit stunning to me that our, our growth in patrons has just about doubled over the last year, which is, I mean, it's just really cool that we're, we're almost to the point where, um, you know, we've got uh, all of our invested time compensated like it feels like we're not you know and that's a that's kind of a big deal right for for podcasting because podcasting is not like it's not like you go to a movie it's not like you pay a cable subscription it's this this whole listener supported thing i'm still like wrapping my head around it you know i i pay my national public radio like i i'm a, a member of our little community there but i've never really stopped to think about it until i was a recipient of it mm-hmm. like what that means like these are people that i support who are out there doing their jobs and reporting on the news, and I support them with a little bit because I want to contribute to them feeding their family. And now we're to the point where we're we're asking for the same. And the the sense of gratitude and warmth that just wells up inside me when I think about that, when I look at the list of of members here that have, um, you know, that have chosen to contribute their time and spoils to 
to us to feed our families is just enormous. Like it is it is unbelievable to me, these people that are doing that. And they, they're doing it like I know we have some perks, but generally nobody has come to us and said, oh, I'm I, I'm, I want more perks. Like I'm right. paying for more than what you already do. Like these are people who are coming just because they've already said like they want to support you're doing us. a good thing. Keep keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. And Wonderful. that's that's incredible. Yeah. Like that's. It's like, I've had to practice saying this because I like, you know, ch- choke up on it. Like it's it's hard to um, it's hard to do. And I want to continue to deliver in 2020. And I'm just very, uh, very excited to to have a platform and a, a foundation that allows us to make decisions about, you know, doing more stuff and maybe taking more risks and inviting more, you know, people and great people. And um, that because of this community, these people will listen. And that's incredible to me. It's just incredible. Um, The other thing I I have to shout out to is a specific topic, and that is rejection, rejection sensitivity, RSD. I, to, to If there is any one topic that we've talked about on this show that has changed, like straight up changed my life, it's that. Mm-hmm. Like putting words to this thing that I never had words to describe mm-hmm. has changed the way I talk about my ADHD to people who don't know any better. Absolutely. It's changed the way I talk about my emotional relationship with the world around me. And it's stunning. Well, I think you're speaking for a lot of people because we have in our Patreon Discord, there's been a lot of conversation around RSD and a lot of people, you know, having the same feelings that you're having and just being able to talk about it. And, uh, you know, again, having Dr. William Dotson on the show was a great honor. And um, it was really fascinating. That was probably one of the most interesting shows that we did, you know, because I just found the information so interesting and and uh, what he had to say about it. And uh, yeah, I think it touched a lot of people. And it's a conversation that really it just keeps continuing. Um, one of our our questions, right, was about RSD. So I, I think we will probably talk about that a little bit. Right. Or are we talking about that right yeah. now? Is that what no, we're, we're doing? Well, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but I have okay. one more thing. I have to <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, no, are, are right. we skipping no, to he's... that part? What are we doing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I got I got one more, which is uh, um, we uh, we talked about uh, sexy time. Oh, we yeah. talked about Dr. sex R. and ADHD R. on the show. Duckman, yes. That is, uh, you know, if if we in our little ADHD corner of the Internet, uh, can encourage more people of goodwill to have more good sex, <laughs> then I will consider our job well done. Hey, like, we're there that, for the people. <laughs> if that could be on, my, if that's like line number one on my headstone, Pete Wright, he helped us have better sex through our ADHD. <laughs> I'm done, You're y'all. Done. Whatever's next, I'll take it. Like, right. that is... Awesome. And, so, and he uh, will be back on back. the show. Yeah, I don't yep. know if that's specifically what he'll be talking about, but I know he will be coming back. He is, um, he's a funny guy. Oh, he's yeah. a very funny guy. I talked to yeah. him at the conference yeah. and uh, I really enjoy his company. So we'll definitely have yes. him come back. That's right. That's right. So that's it. Now, we've already talked about the, the our, our challenges with questions about the workplace. So yes. if you came here, if you're watching the live stream and you're like, oh, I really wish you would talk about my workplace. Hang on. We're going to come back to that next year. Next, next year. year when you want better vision for 2020 that's right that's right i that just cracks <laughs> me up every time i say it <laughs> it's the simple thing it's the simple it's just, things oh it doesn't take much nope. uh okay so here we go uh we've got some questions to talk about would you would you like to do the first one would you like me to do? Well, this? I what do you want, want to you do? to you have to do the questions because okay. you're Casey Kasem right. out of the two of us. I uh, so we've uh, OK, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read it because I, I think judging by our comments, I think the pieces that stuck out to you were different than the pieces that stuck out to me. And I think well, that's, that's not surprising. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. OK, so here you go. Uh, I'd like to hear how to handle criticisms of one's ADHD symptoms. 
For example, I'm still smarting over rebuke from my rabbi about my procrastination. I just sat there and took it because that's been my MO. But in the months since, it has continued to bother me because there's a man so thoughtful and sensitive toward congregants with physical disabilities. I've spent a lifetime apologizing for my ADHD symptoms even before they had a name, despite doing my very best to manage them. And I wish people would meet me halfway with a little understanding. Such a good question. Okay. Well, it is. And it's a great statement at the end, too, that she wishes people would just meet her halfway um, with a little yeah. understanding. So the way that I uh, I took this is, I mean, first of all, I just am sorry. I'm sorry that she had to experience this situation because it's really hard when you set somebody up to really a different standard, right? You expect that that person's going to be really thoughtful and you know, really compassionate. And then when they're not that way, it's very, very disappointing. And um, the RSD, the rejection um, sensitivity is where I kind of went on this a little bit is that you're, fe- you're going to feel that you're going to feel almost that rejection from the rabbi. And uh, so my first thought was just, I'm really sorry that she had to deal with this. Um Second thought was to say, again, to just remind her that she's not broken um, and that she's doing the best that she can with her ADHD symptoms. Um, and I think that with the the rabbi, it's a little bit different situation. But if you have other people, too, that you're feeling this type of uh, rejection from or this kind of uh, situation where you feel like you have to apologize all the time, my recommendation is, you know, look at who you are surrounding yourself with, you know, who are the people around you and try to maybe spend as less time with those people that aren't meeting you halfway, if you can, because it's not worth your time and energy. We know that we can't change people's minds. We can't necessarily um, make somebody be a more empathetic person. And so I would say, you know, really think about how, who you're paying your attention to and stay connected to the people that that do understand you and really care about you. Something that I didn't say, and I don't know if you're going to say this or not, but I also think it's fine to stand up for yourself. And I know that that's really hard when you're in that kind of situation. Um, but, you know, there's something to say, too, about about standing up for yourself, maybe not necessarily having to apologize. We know that there's different ways to say things um, where, it, where it's not you always saying you're sorry. But I really just, it, it makes me sad just to, to hear that she just took it. And uh, there's something yeah. about that, that that really bothers me. That that's exactly where my head was going to, Nikki. It's a, a, like that that line is the one that stuck with me. It's it, he's usually so sensitive toward other congregants who who have a, a you know not my words a more demonstrable like um, disability, right? Yeah. And and uh, and and challenge, but just taking it because that's your mo. That's a practiced state, right? right. It's a learned state, I, I should say, an unintentionally practiced state of just taking it, and that's something really hard. If there's anything I feel like we've heard out of this RSD conversation is that, like, we internalize our rejection without thought, mm-hmm. and that's what is uh, is you know gives us that that state of uh, of, of turmoil, right? Which is that um, you know. We don't take any action to respond and to educate on our experience. We just we've learned to take it. Mm-hmm. We've learned to to just kind of accept it and move on. And and we get to own all of the feelings right. about it. But I, I would just say to to the questioner, you know, when's the last time you like wrote out a few lines to help frame this conversation yourself? Like now that you have some words to put to it, you know, this is RSD. This is my experience with ADHD. Um, doing that gives you a chance to control a dialogue about uh, your ADHD with somebody who clearly needs to have that conversation and clearly needs to have a, a eye-opening conversation about your worldview. And Absolutely. and I think to have that in your words, like just in your back pocket for, for those moments when you need to pull it out and not in a, you know, antagonistic way, but just in, in a way to describe like this is this is what I live with every day. And it's just as much of a challenge because of the fireworks up here mm-hmm. um, for me to to sit still, for me to have a conversation in a in a class, for me to whatever. Right. 
Um, that's that's the one yes, that, that I agree stuck with me because it's I, I mean, I, I really believe this is a worldview education issue in this particular. Context. Yes, I do, too. Very good. OK, tough one. I know right, it let's is. Let's do an easy one. Uh, an, this one. And I'm going to say I say that I shouldn't say it's an easy <laughs> one because we've I've struggled a long time with this one. My question is about the meal planning show. So the show focused on meal planning for dinner and a family where I'm interested in knowing how to to meal plan for one person and for breakfast and dinner. Also, I get overwhelmed from all my choices because I have so many posts for from Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. Plus, I have a ton of cookbooks that I want to use. Okay. Not easy. It's not it's easy. It's not. And I completely relate no. to this question because I have, uh, I don't, I don't save the recipes on Facebook or Instagram, but I certainly do on Pinterest. And I have a ton of cookbooks that I would love to go through and use. So yeah. I understand yeah. how overwhelming it could be. Now, as far as how would you meal plan for one person? Honestly, I would say use the exact same concepts for one person as you would the family. So you can go mm -hmm. back and listen to that show. There isn't anything different except for how much you make, right? So you're cooking for one. Um, however, I would say cook for two so that you have some leftovers because we want to make things easy. So if you can cook for two and you've got two meals right there, then you've already made the the job a lot easier. Well, that's right. And the questioner says, I'm, I'm interested in breakfast and dinner. And so that's is that because your leftovers satisfied lunch? Awesome, right? Well planned. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's great. Um, for for me, yeah. I mean, I I calendar that. I think I guess the only other difference that I would add to to that maybe is that you're you don't necessarily need to put them on a public whiteboard in your kitchen, right? Maybe you just and and what I would do is put them in my my main calendar or my in in my case a family calendar. Once we plan the meals, we put them in the calendar, and if there's a link to a recipe offsite, we'll do it. But Generally, I have a, a notebook in Evernote. It's called the recipe book. And when I come up with a recipe that I want, I want to get it out of Pinterest or Facebook or all recipes or or even a cookbook. I'll take a picture of it and get it out of that source and put it in my recipe book, mm -hmm. right? Because I want to know that those links are there and they'll live forever and I can get to them whenever I want. I can link to them from my calendar. I can do all sorts of things. But when I look at my calendar, I have then reduced distraction. That is the worst thing for me is when I'm like, oh, what was that recipe for the, uh, I don't yeah. know, autoimmune protocol stromboli and that I like so that? much? Where I did think I find that? Was that? On, yeah. Yeah. And then I find it on Pinterest maybe, but then I find 10,000 other recipes mm -hmm. that are now totally distracting me. If I had that process, if I had a landing place for those recipes where I could take a screenshot of it or a picture of it in a cookbook and I could send it there to the trusted system, I remove the uh, the distraction from all of the other signal, uh, all the other noise, I should say. So I remove the that all that noise and I just extract the signal and I now have it in a place where I can use it. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that has been a real lifesaver. So it's a great idea. Um, yeah, I would I would stop collecting things in all of all of the different little buckets mm -hmm. and start start with a bigger bucket that is just yours. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things that I think helps the decision making is is having those favorite meals somewhere listed out too so that you're not part of meal planning i think part of the the reason it's hard at least for me is that i don't remember everything that we like i don't remember all of the options and so when you're not hungry or you're not really craving anything it's hard to even know where to start so if you have that list of what your favorite meals are for breakfast lunch and dinner you have these proven recipes and maybe that list is in evernote or however you want to to uh, organize it but i think that that helps the decision making because then you can just quickly look at that and uh and see what um you're just you're distracting me right now what do you have here i did do you see what i did yeah. there i'm sharing my recipe book with you you can oh. see it in the live stream right now oh, okay. this is my recipe book and this is my paleo autoimmune protocol stromboli oh, so you were what lying. i love so much about that this really i'm true. not lying no okay. it's it's <laughs> <laughs> it's legit and so good. Uh, but you can see what I like so much about having my bucket and having it organized by date of recency. So I can see what what 
am I interested in this week, right? I can see that slow cooker buffalo chicken sliders on sweet potato buns uh, is amazing. And I literally mean a sweet potato. It's incredible. Mm. Uh, I can actually see these things and they're right up top. So I can schedule them, uh, you know, and link back to these individual notes and know that these are the things that I'm most interested in right now. And so it's a great way to to do that. And I just love being able to clip straight to this thing that I own, right? It's it's mine. It's not Pinterest. If I'm going to distract myself with other recipes, it's other recipes generally that I know and have, and have either tried or have demonstrated that I want to try. And that's huge. Very cool. So Look at you. All right. Uh, 528 recipes in there. Wow. It can be a little distracting. Wow. That's uh, all right. Well, one thing I do want to say is if you do want to do a new recipe, zero in on one recipe and then take it, put it in Evernote, do whatever you want to do with it, but then don't look yeah. at anything else, right? We just want to focus on the one that you want. And, and if it works, then you can add it to your favorites. So we want to just keep simplifying. So this this note, sometimes I share, right, this whole recipe book with my wife in Evernote. And sometimes I'll get so distracted that she will open up her version of Evernote on her phone and she will text me just the recipe out of the recipe book that we already have. So I'm not saying it's completely like distraction free. Sometimes I, you know, I I actually count on my accountability buddy to to just say, just look at your text. Don't look at any other apps, just your text. And that's what you need to know. Sometimes I need it. But but it's, yeah, I mean, that's that's how we do it. So this listener that asked the question actually has a recommendation too. She said that she started using the meal service called Freshly. She gets six pre-made meals a week, which I just mm-hmm. microwave to eat. And I use these for lunch so I don't have to worry about lunches. So that's why she doesn't have the lunch on there. Um, the meals are really good and it really helped me not feel so overwhelmed by the whole meal planning. So those meal services, I know that there's lots of them. Um, that can also be a great, uh, solution for people. Look at these lovely meals. I know it looks great. Buffalo chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freshly is a, it looks like a lovely service. They've got some incredible, um, uh, meals just this week. Look at this. And I'm not even getting an affiliate program. I've never even heard of Freshly. I haven't either. So, uh, this is a great, uh, cauliflower shell bolognese. Oh, that sounds good. Yes. That cauliflower. That's a, that's a utility veg yes, right there. You can is. do anything with cauliflower. That's right. Uh, there's some lovely stuff on here. So here's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. Six meals a week, 10 bucks a meal. That's about right. Great. Yep. Nice and affordable. All right. So lots of next stuff out question. there. Next question. Yep. Okay. So next question, Pete. Uh, Go right. ahead, Casey. All right. I'm curious. I'm curious about job hunting strategies that are friendly for the ADD brain, keeping motivation high, dealing with rejection, how to keep momentum and stick to routines when there is no schedule, et cetera. There's a lot buried in that. Well, this could definitely be something that we will probably continue the conversation next year yeah. because this is a this is a big topic. Um, yep. And I actually have a couple a, a couple of clients now who are in the job hunting uh, arena, and so it, it is uh, it it's hard to find things that are friendly for the ADHD brain. That's for sure. But, um, you know, as much as you can have a, have a plan in place. And what I mean by that is how, how much time do you want to focus on job hunting? Uh, if you are not currently working, you know, then is this something that you can plan uh, to do a little bit during the day? Um, schedule it kind of like a job, have some kind of structure that, you know, from 10 to two, you're going to be looking at your resume. You're going to be looking at job opportunities. It's, it's that structure that will make it a little bit more of a routine that will help you stay. It will help you move forward or keep moving forward. The problem mm-hmm. that I see with the even my current clients is that, you know, they know that they need to do things, but the motivation's not there. And it's really hard to find that motivation when you're feeling all of these things, right? And uh, depending on how you're leaving your last job. And I mean, there's just a lot going on. So as much structure and accountability and help and support that you can get, I think can really help breaking the job hunting process down into steps. It can feel very overwhelming. So really just look at what's the first thing you need to do. Maybe that's just review your resume. 
Um, after you review and update your resume, do you want somebody else to look at it? I highly recommend that you do. You don't necessarily need to pay for somebody to look at it, but do have a friend or somebody uh, edit it and look at it. Uh, do you, or if you're going to be filling out applications, maybe get all of the information in one document that you know an application would be asking for. So it's very easy for you to cut and paste and refer back to when applying. So making that a simpler situation where you're not having to rethink, you know, over and over again, um, what you did in this job or whatever. If you can set goals for yourself to kind of quantify the process, I've done this before with other clients where they'll say, well, I'd like to have at least three applications by the end of the day, or I'd like to have my resume done by the end of the week. That gives you a goal. It gives you something to focus on where you don't have to focus on everything else. Uh, And so that can be really helpful. When you're at the point where you're ready to do interviews, I highly recommend that you practice and prepare. Um, for those interviews, have somebody that you work with or not work with, but somebody you trust and and do a mock interview and research that company and have your questions prepared because you're going to be interviewing them just as much as you're as they're interviewing you. So you want to make sure it's the right, you know, the right fit for you. If you're having a hard time getting started, work in sprints. We know that that can be really um, effective where you're only doing maybe 15 or 30 minutes at a time. And uh, dealing with the rejection, oh, man, we go back to the RSD, right? It is just a hard and complicated and sticky situation. Um, I would encourage you to look at where you can possibly grow and learn from your past interviews. You know, think about how you worded things. Um, Is there a different way to maybe do it? But I got to tell you, Pete, when it comes to jobs and Things that like, I just believe that the universe has our back. And I think that if you didn't get that job, then it probably wasn't the right job for you. For whatever reason, it wasn't the right one. So you keep trying and you keep looking for that right one. And uh, and it may take some time, right? Because we know with RSD, it, depending it, what's going on, it can take a lot of time. But being patient with yourself and knowing that that's what's happening, because again, what we said is it's giving you words to what you're feeling. And uh, that's what I would say. It's a really hard one. And I I feel like um, the, the rejection part, there, there is something to practicing being rejected. Right. Well, because we all will at, be. I mean, I, I mean, we, we all, all will are. be. That's yeah. Just, yeah. You're not there. The, the first job you go for, in all likelihood, you're not going to get. Right. And it's not going to be a reflection of who you are. No. It's going to be a, a reflection of just somebody who has a better fit for that one role mm-hmm. or that one company. And it takes a long time to internalize the experience of of being rejected and not applying that rejection to your skin, right. not tattooing it on your identity, because that it's not a part of your identity. It's just a representation of 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 that um, uh, of, of fit. Mm-hmm. It's just it just is what it is. I think the more you practice, uh, you know, shooting for uh, opportunities that you can be rejected from. This is going to sound very strange, right? Uh, apply for jobs that you probably would say no to, mm-hmm. that you don't mm-hmm. think they're a good fit, just so you can practice the act of being rejected and the act of maybe even getting lucky and taking uh, getting an interview and then saying, you know what, it's not a good fit. Uh, there, there's nothing that's more confidence building than you saying you rejecting them right. after exploration. But that's what it is, right? It's this give and take. Um, the, the thing that came to me when uh, I first read this question actually took me back a few years, Nikki, to um you know, to to sorting, the sorting process, uh-huh. right? And the organizing process, the steps in the organizing process. The thing that overwhelms me the most and that I'm having flashbacks of that because we're going through the college application process right now is keeping applications and status updated over time, right? And I feel like approaching the system 
to keep yourself organized can help you maintain confidence and momentum. The the worst thing that I, I think happens for me is when I start a process and just have a stack of stuff and it's, I don't, I like will fill out an application or I'll go to an online form. They're the, the worst, right? You're applying for a, a job and you get an online form and you fill it out and you hit submit and you don't remember what you put in there. Uh, those uh, and you don't have any record that you did it, or maybe you took a screenshot of a submission page, but you don't remember the answers to questions. Like those things will trip you up and they are cumulative, right? Mm-hmm. They'll trip you up worse the second time than the first. And it just adds over and over until you have a mountain of things that you don't remember you've already done. So putting some attention to, you know, how you're going to track your stuff. A great and, idea. And th- this is this is the thing that I think merits a, a, a longer show, um, which is actually, you know, setting up your life for the job hunt process. Mm-hmm. Right. How, how do you do that, uh, especially when, um, you know, the job hunt process changes every year? There's some new innovation from HR that that defines how we integrate with companies. Right. So um, I think putting some thought into that, too. So practice getting rejected so that it doesn't hurt so much and think about systems. Those are the those Great. are the things I would. Oh, well, I got one more. Uh, record yourself on video, even right. on your phone. So you see what you look like when you uh, are talking. Yes, absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah. And you can do that when you're doing the mock interview too, is definitely record it or videotape yourself. And and it would be really interesting too, I think with the, with the video to see like how you're sitting, how you're standing, what you're doing with your arms, what you're doing with your legs, like yep. all of those things that you could actually observe would be really interesting. Uh, next question. I'd be interested in a follow-up show on the topic of rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria. Well, we've just been talking about that. Mm-hmm. Guidance we can do other than medication to manage the inevitable emotional turmoil that comes from rejection. Even when I know rationally it's no big deal, it'll pass, and it's just my sensitivity kicking in. My nervous system doesn't want to cooperate, and it takes a while to regain normalcy. When I'm in it, I'm distracted, sensitive, and more scattered. It may take hours, a day, sometimes more to pass, depending on how big the slight or my perceived slight. Big productivity killer. The typical let it go advice does not work. This so, is a scratch that off the list. Oh, absolutely. And this one. is a this is a beautiful <laughs> definition of what this means, right? Yeah. I mean, this she she or he is defining what RSD means. And oh man, again, I wish that you and I could give out some really clear strategies and say, this is what you need to do and this is how it's going to make it go away. But the reality is there's just no way we can do that. And I wish I could do a follow-up show on RSD and I and I hope that we can. But But really, I mean, I feel like it is so complicated and it's so much a part of ADHD and it's so... It, it it's it it boggles my mind. Like I I mean yeah. you know I'll just be honest. It's like it bo- it boggles my mind, and I just I wish I could give relief. And uh, you know I think that the awareness part is really good because now we do have words to say how we're feeling, and we understand what's going on. Um, I would always encourage people to when you're feeling the RSD really strongly all the time, you know, I I really encourage you to go talk to a therapist and get that Mm -hmm. counseling to help sort out your feelings. Look for those triggers and ways to cope. Um, Pete and I, you know, and I'm going to speak for you a little bit, Pete, but you can (laughs) correct me if you'd like. I wish I knew more about how to how to deal with this. I really do. Yeah. And um it's just it's just as new to me too because when he said those things and he was explaining it, I didn't have a I didn't have words to it until Dr. Dalton did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I think that's that's really true. And so in in many respects like just talking about it is kind of new to, right. to, <laughs> to certainly to me like it's just uh it's just new to uh to to the language still practicing the language. I would say letting it go is not what you want to do. I don't want to let it go. I want to understand it. I want right. to understand what is it that's doing this. I have a gross uh analogy that I think about. Have you ever had the uh, athlete's foot? You ever get the athlete's foot? I never have, but I was always worried about it in college. So I'd wear flip flops in the 
in the dorm showers. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. That's smart. I just I just got over it. Okay. And it took weeks and weeks and weeks. And I thought at one point, you know what? Just take the toes. I don't need them. Just take them. <laughs> it's awful. It's like it, it is something that I didn't invite upon myself. I didn't use risky locker room right. behavior. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just something that happened from somewhere, from that someone, just, and yeah. it started eating my skin. Oh, I'm so and sorry. That to me, it's it's RSD. Yeah. RSD is the athlete's foot of our emotional regulatory system. And it's terrible. And you can't control it. All you can do is clean it and don't pick at it because that does make it worse. And eventually it passes. But until you've gone through it, you don't know that it passes. Right. Once you have words to describe the experience, you recognize this is it, it will eventually pass. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you understand your your, uh, you know, what it takes for you to treat it better mm -hmm. the second time mm -hmm. than the first mm -hmm. and the third time than the second. And eventually you get to the point where it's there and you know it hurts yeah. and you can look at it and you can stare at it and hopefully distance yourself from the intimate experience and the uncertainty of it. And that, I think, is the important part for me. When I'm in an, in an RSD kind of react, reactive situation, I, I have to find a way to give myself that out-of-body experience mm -hmm. that says, okay, I'm going to step out of my emotional system and I'm going to watch because I know that when I do that, I know that guy over there, he's going he's gonna to move through this, but I have to be able to move on with my day. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so I, I don't have an answer and I'm sure we will have more people this uh, coming year talking about this mm -hmm. and, and have more guests as we learn to explore this too. Absolutely. But man, that athlete's foot analogy, that's, that's a, good a lock. One. Right? <laughs> Gross, but not going to forget it. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> I live to serve. That's right. Okay. Last a question. show about A show about fidgeting, how it helps with focus, how to integrate fidgets to your life. Let's talk about fidgeting and the different types of fidgets that are out there now. Uh, and this is a very good question. And I, I don't think as adults we talk about fidgets enough. Probably we don't. And maybe we will have a show on it. But I definitely wanted to to talk about it a little bit today because it, it mm -hmm. we don't talk about it enough with, with adults. Nope. And uh, so I want to talk, first of all, a little bit about what happens when you're working with the or when you're playing with a fidget toy and, and why it does help. So what happens is research shows that physical activity, so when you do something, it increases the level of neurotransmitters, specifically the dopamine, right, in the brain. And that is what controls focus and attention. So if you're fidgeting with something in your hand or even just tapping your foot, it can help block, I'm not saying it does completely, but it can help block out distractions, fight boredom, and increase your productivity. So doing two things at once help the brain actually focus on the primary task. But one of those things has to be mindless. So that's why having a fidget, something fidgety, <laughs> like a, I, I like the smooth rock. Yes, you've got like a ring thing. I have, yeah, a, I have my, this I think is a dog toy. Is it? It's just a very dense rubber dog toy. I have that and I have a smooth piece of wood. This is a smooth wood block is my yes. desktop fidget. So desktop. I have a smooth stone that I oh, that yep, I put in yep. my hand and it helps me uh, stay focused. And uh, so whatever that is for people, but this is a mindless task, right? So I could be uh, doing a podcast and still have this in my hand. And I'm, uh, you know, technically I'm doing two things at once, but one is pretty mindless. Uh, I had a group yeah. member in one of our group calls who always knit when she was on the call. And that was something yep. that she could do, you know, as as she was listening to the call. So we know that fidgets can be a great accommodation uh, for children, right? That's where we usually talk about it is, is having some kind of fidget toy or something like that in class. Um, but it can't distract other people. So that's why that whole fidget spinner thing, that was just a stupid option <laughs> to be <Yeah>. honest. <laughs> like, you know, because you know what happened? is people without AD, without ADHD were taking those things and they were spinning them around and causing all kinds of chaos in the classroom. And the people that really did need a fidget all of a sudden now is downplayed that they really need a fidget. You know, so the yep. whole thing, I, I do not like the fidget spinner. So 
that's my own. I uh, I actually unfortunately love the fidget spinner <laughs> for myself, but only only in my own like when nobody else is, is around, around. Right. Right. Because yeah. that is something that I can do with one hand, and I can just spin it, and it it's a gives my hand a sense of balance. Uh, but as soon as anybody else is around, they're too distracted by me doing right. it. Right. They want it. They want to play with it. Oh, can I hold it? And I'm not into that. So I usually put it away. I do have a couple in my little drawer over here. The other thing, when I was living in Korea, uh, I it was just an amazing experience. The tricks, the like digital dexterity that that Korean college students had with their pens, and so I did learn a couple of pen tricks that work perfectly with my Apple Pencil because it's weighted just right. And so you can do all the flippy, dippy, doo-dah tricks. And so my pen, which is silent, it doesn't have a click to it. I can just flip it around my fingers silently. And that is that is something that uh, that I use. I like that great. Uh, a lot. It's great. So, well, yeah. and one of the things that I saw in my research or that I read in my research was that it helps to be intentional with your fidget toy, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, So think about like when and where you might get distracted, like what meetings are hard for you to to stay focused in. Um, if, if you're a student, what classes are the hardest? And so being, you know, just being more intentional about where and how you're using it. Uh, if you want to tell people or not, it's completely up to you. I think for children, you do have to have those conversations with teachers and help them understand why this is important and giving them the, giving them that education, right? Kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. We may think that the teacher knows and understands, but they may not. So we need to to educate them about what's what's working for our children. Um, if you're an adult and you're in a meeting, I mean, again, I think it's up to you whether or not you want to say something, you know, why you have this rock in your hand, but I don't think you have to either. I mean, um, it's really, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it really just depends, I think, on the situation. We did get some uh, product recommendations. We did. Products. Yes. And I think having options is good, right? Because if you get yeah. bored with something, you can try something different. Uh, the the Bic Atlantis pen. You ever heard I of this Bic Atlantis no. pen? I'm, I'm not an Atlantis pen user. I'm a G2, a Pilot G2 user. Uh, which is the gel refillable, but it has a, a kind of a loud click. So apparently the Atlantis pen is one that you can use and flip it around and do the flippy dippy thing with a quiet, a quieter click. Mm. Very quiet. It's very streamlined. Yes. Yeah, very, yes. Very quiet click. Smooth Rock. Uh, you had mentioned Smooth Rock was on the list. Mm-hmm. Doodling is definitely on the mm-hmm. list. And I, I really love the doodling and I love... Uh, I, I think, and this just came up again. So I, I found um, a, an incredible video from a student, is a medical student, and how he uses his uh, iPad to do visual note taking. And I was just watching it with my daughter last week. And then uh, Ellie in the chat room brings up uh, visual note taking and sketch noting. And I've been a big fan of Mike Rode forever. The whole idea of taking your ideas and making them like visual notes with big block print or drawings to help illustrate concepts rather than the traditional outline. We've talked about this in our note-taking before, but I think we need to do more of an in-depth kind of dive into what these tools allow you to do and to teach yourself to draw. Simple set of shapes that allow you to doodle more effectively, more satisfyingly, uh, because uh, doodling is a massive benefit for me, and I know a lot of people in the community too. So. Uh, that's one. I don't know what a pick-apart cork is. What's a pick-apart well, cork? Well, this was actually an idea that came from one of my clients because she was picking at her fingernails all the time. So there is actually a word for it, and I don't even want to say it because I will just ruin the word because I don't pronounce things very well. But do you know what I'm talking about? It's like trick a comb. Trichotillomania. That there you go. That's what it's called. Yep. Um, picking apart a cork. If you, you can actually go online and find a pick apart a cork, like fidget toy, and it just allows you to pick at the cork. So instead of picking at your nails or your hands or whatever, you're you know you're picking at the cork. It's pretty clever, really. Now yeah. the only thing is, is you're going to have to clean up your mess. So right. if you're at a meeting or something like that, you're going to have to like scoop it up. But it it 
solves that or it it uh, takes care of that uh, feeling or whatever emotion, you know, you, that you're going for or that you're getting from picking your skin actually to the cork so you're not hurting yourself. It's a really I interesting am, thing. I am looking at Therapy Shop right now for $2.49. You can get four brand new one and a half inch bottle stopper corks that you can dig your fingernails pick, into pick, pick. and pick apart. That is, it, it, we talked about trichotillomania, which is uh, hair pulling. Uh, uh, dermatillomania is skin picking if you have a skin okay, thank uh, you. issue. This is uh, a great solution for that, but also with ADHD for just having something for your fingers to do. It might make Absolutely. a mess. It will make a mess, but. It yeah. is something that uh, that uh, you can struggle with. You can if do. you struggle with it, this is a great alternative. Um, picking anything uh, gets a little bit gross, but uh, I, I definitely <laughs> I relate to that. Uh, and I'm a huge sticker person. Like I put stickers all over everything, and so I like my laptop is covered in stickers, and I do all that mostly because I'm planning one day to pick them off and replace them. Like, I really get a, a weird sense of creepy joy out of that. I, oh, I go through phases. Funny. So <laughs> it happens. To pick apart we're, cork we're, None of us are immune. perfect for you. Yeah, right, right. That's right. So uh, uh, there you go. Um, this was fun. Well, and I just want to say there's a couple other things here. Happy Hands oh, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. is a great website. This was also recommended um, from somebody in Discord therapy shop. Uh, we'll have those uh, websites on the show notes. And then yep. this particular person like this spiky magnetic balls was her favorite. So there's lots of stuff out there. And I would definitely take a look and and uh, see what interests you and Fidget I really away. like these, like the the spiky magnetic balls and the and doodling and the smooth rock. Like I love just silent, silent fidgets. That's mm -hmm. that's huge because my goodness, in our house, uh, noise signal is a real trigger. That's right. Uh, it'll just puncture our home productivity. So. Uh, this is great, great stuff. <gasps> Thank you, everybody, for contributing Thank for you. all these great ideas and links and fun stuff and hard stuff. But yeah. mostly just thank you for being a member of this wonderful community. We we would not, could not do it without you all. So true. I hope everybody has a good end of the year and that you have clear vision for 2020. For 2020. Yay! <laughs> I'm probably going to say that. Every day next Every year. Every single. <laughs> I won't. I promise. Solitary day. <laughs> no, it's been we'll, great. We'll Thank you, everyone. It coming clearly. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. you'll see mm -hmm. it coming. Oh, 2020 be, yes. vision. Yeah, you got oh, it. I can't wait. <laughs> 2020 is going to be a great year. It is. Cheers Thank you, that. everybody, for your time and your attention. Uh, we deeply appreciate you. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and uh, myself, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next year right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs> 